We've all heard stories of bad things happening in a church because a leader made some bad choices, whether it was sexual abuse or fraudulent behavior, stealing money, or just plain old deception and lying. All of those stories that we've maybe heard give us this pained expression at times when we talk about the church because we know that people are not perfect, but yet in the church, we have this standard that people should reflect what they actually talk about, which is a belief in God and a belief in a supreme divine being who has something in store for us. Well, what do we do with all of this when it happens? For some of us, we just, quit church altogether. But for others of us, what it actually calls us to is to make sure that we have strong leaders in churches. We've started this series going through the book of Timothy, just talking about what it looks like to be a strong church. Uh, church is the people of God. It's the family of faith where people believe and confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And strong churches have strong leaders. And the Apostle Paul knew this. That's why he wrote in this letter to Timothy about what it means and what it takes to have strong leaders in a family of faith. And the reality is that everything rises or falls based on the leaders and what they're doing. When bad things happen and leaders do make bad choices, there's consequences in that context. And when leaders do good things and they make good choices, there's also blessings that come in that context. So let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and actually read what Paul says about the leaders that are supposed to make up this church in Ephesus. And then we'll draw some application points out of that. So as Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, This is a trustworthy saying, in verse 1. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to wine, but greedy, or not greedy for dishonest grain. There, they must hold this mystery of faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things, 
Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children, their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So in this little section of the letter that Paul's writing to Timothy, he is laying out for Timothy how the church needs to behave, how the people of God need to interact with one another so that it's actually good. And in this particular context, what he's talking about is the leaders that are leading in the church. He mentions two offices, the office of an overseer and the office of a deacon. Those are the two roles that are most commonly used in the life of the church. For the word overseer, we use different words in different churches. We sometimes call them deacons, sometimes we call them pastors, but the point is that there is a specific role for that. And then there's this other role, which is a deacon. And we could go on and talk about all kinds of other roles. There are, places, there are other places in the New Testament that talk about things like teachers and evangelists and pastors and apostles and administrators. And there's all kinds of things, all kinds of positions in the church that people can serve in. But in a strong church with strong leaders, these strong leaders know their role. So what is actually the role of an overseer? Well, they actually care for the well-being of the people. They shepherd them. Shepherding and care is really what an overseer is supposed to do. They're like in this governing authority over the people to make sure they're cared for well spiritually. So what does that actually look like? Well, it actually looks like helping them grow in Christ, helping them understand the truth of the gospel, helping them be faithful to do what God has called them to do in areas of service and giftedness. That's really what that looks like. And sometimes that involves correction. Sometimes that involves protecting people from the difficulties that we all get into at times. Sometimes that looks like having hard conversations with people. But other times it looks like having joyous, encouraging conversations because God's doing some cool things and God is using them in some ways to bring fruitfulness to his kingdom. Now, the other role that Paul mentions here is this role of deacon. And the idea behind a deacon, as we see it in the New Testament, is just this caring for the physical well-being of people. It's much more practical. So think of the overseer or the elder as caring for the spiritual side of things, whereas the deacon is caring for the physical side of things. Now, obviously, it's clear that in both cases there's a lot a ton of overlap and lots of churches have different definitions and they play this out there's no real right way or there's no real wrong way to do this as long as people are being cared for spiritually and also practically physically and let's not forget that in this context there's more than one it's a plurality 
where people are not operating in this solo context, but they're working as a team where they are working independently, but yet dependent on other parts. And all of this happens well when people know their role. Strong leaders stay in their lane, play in their lane, work in their lane, and don't cross over into other people's lanes. So it's, it's what Paul is really saying here. He's like, Timothy, there's a group that are, that are overseers and there's a group that deacons. They need to work together, but they're also separate. And that goes for all areas of the church. And we actually call this in organizational management, governance. It's the act of governing. And it doesn't really matter who you are in the family of God. You actually should know how this works. Governing is the decision-making process of a group. It's the group's accountability to one another and who's responsible for which things. It's the structure that helps things function. And it's also the communication in a group where we are talking about who's doing this and who's doing that and, and how's it getting done. And each person of every group whether it's a formal organization of a large number called a church or an informal group that's just gathering together, really should understand governance. And within governance, there's written rules and unwritten rules. Now, having said all of that, what Paul is trying to get across to Timothy is that in these strong churches, these elders and deacons, they know their role. They know how to play this role. And they are equipped to play these roles. And it doesn't just end with elders and deacons. It actually flows all the way down throughout the church. From the person who's doing administrative work, helping organize things, to the person that is doing something like cutting the grass. All of that fits together so that this group can be a strong reflection of what it actually looks like to be the family of God. Here's another thing that is really clear as we read this is that strong leaders exhibit the right character. All the way through this passage from verse 1 all the way through to 13, Paul is just re articulating again and again about godly character. And we need leaders that exhibit these traits. Now the whole of God's people are to be striving towards this kind of life, this life of character. Not being characters, but have a life of character. And believers who have let God mold them to the point where they actually have character because character is not purchased at the grocery store. You can't go to the grocery store and pick up character and walk out and say, well, now I have character. Character actually comes from the choices that we make. So what are some of these character qualities that Paul talks to Timothy about? Well, again, it's all centered around this idea of godliness. But here, here's just a few examples that he talks about. He talks about being above reproach. 
He talks about being self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, not under the control of other things like wine, not being a drunkard, but where you're actually choosing to be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not choosing to be greedy. And there's overlap between what an overseer is supposed to look like and also what a deacon is supposed to look like. You see, strong leaders in strong churches exhibit the right character. And part of having the right character is actually just choosing that character. Well, how do I actually choose to be gentle? How do I choose not to be quarrelsome? How do I choose not to be greedy? How do I choose to be self-controlled? Well, you see, when we choose to be those things, we actually are choosing to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God, where we surrender our will to God's will. And those strong leaders actually know how to do this. They exhibit the right character because they are constantly in this place of yielding to the Holy Spirit, surrendering their will to God, choosing God's way over our own way. And this is not just for leaders. This is for the whole family of God. You see, all of us are called to choose to put God first. And we need to be putting God first. And when we have an environment where we're surrounded by people who are exhibiting the right character, it actually becomes easier to choose the right character, the right choices. And what we actually see here is that the stronger the leader the more consistent their character is to the commandments, commandments of God. That's what strong leaders do. They just exhibit the right character. Now, when we're talking about what's happening in God's family, it's important for us to be able to kind of look around and see, okay, are those leaders playing within their lane? Are they... Do they know their role? Are they exhibiting the right kind of character that God has put upon Paul's heart to write to Timothy here? Like these are things that we can actually see and evaluate. Here's the third thing that he mentions here, which is so important in the context of just behaving in the household of God, and that is strong leaders have management skills. I want you to notice in verse 4 and in again in verse 12, both with the elders and, and deacons. So both positions require this management skill. So in verse 4, Paul says he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. And then he says this in verse 5, which is so true. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? Again, when we look at verse 12, it says, 
these deacons are to be managing their children and their own households well. And it actually goes on to talk about how they need to be tested and to have a, a reputation in the community for this. Management skills. Managing a house. Well, maybe you've ever, you've never just actually stopped and thought, that, what does it actually take to manage a house? Well, every single person has skills. Some of us have uh, a greater depth of skills than others, but we all have skills. These management skills are something that leaders just have. And there's two sides to this. That's why it's actually mentioned both with the overseer and with deacons. The overseers are managing this spiritual component of God's people, where they're managing growth towards maturity, where there's management about opportunities to serve, and they're organizing and releasing and supporting people in areas that God has gifted them so that they can actually minister to others. And that's this whole side of managing people. But then there's this other practical side where you're managing the practical side of just being together physically and practically, whether there's needs of the sick, needs of the elderly, or physical needs to gather together, like just setting up some chairs that you can sit around or creating space that can be good for being together in a small group. You see, there must be the management of getting things done in God's family. So what specifically are these kinds of management skills? Well, just yeah, I'm just going to list a few of them for you. And organizing is one of them where things are just organized and they run well. Planning, that's a huge management skill that's listed in the scriptures. Sometimes we think, well, if we're just spiritual, we're not going to plan at all. Well, that's actually wrong. God had that plan from the very beginning of salvation and praise God that he did. He didn't just spontaneously go, oh, what do I do now when Adam and Eve sinned? No, God actually had a plan. There's communication that is needed in these management skills, conflict resolution, problem solving. All of these things are skills that make management essential and actually easier. Now, you may actually have a hard time managing your household. Well, the household is this training ground for us to be able to get to the point where we can grow our management skills to the point where they can be used beyond the household. And all of these skills of organizing and planning and communication and conflict resolution are actually needed in the body of Christ, the church the people who gather together to fellowship together, to declare Jesus, and to do life together, to have community. And strong churches have strong leaders who are faithful to lead in the role that God has placed them in, with the character of God and the skills that are needed, that are gifted by God. And how we recognize these leaders is by their management skills, by their character, and how well they actually play their role 
You see, Paul had to tell Timothy these things because some of these things weren't happening in the church at Ephesus. So it was Timothy's job to actually go to Ephesus and bring this to bear. Timothy was actually given the responsibility to manage. He was encouraged to have the right character and he was clearly told what his role was in that church at Ephesus. Each one of us has a role to play in the family of faith that we're a part of. I want to encourage you to get involved in a family of faith. Go shoulder to shoulder with those people. Learn to grow in some of these skills. Understand what it actually means to be a part of the family of God. And at the same time, just evaluate the leaders. Pray for the leaders. But know that they have a great responsibility before God. And there's things that God expects of them. And we, as the church, need to expect it of them too. So encourage your leaders, but also challenge them to be a strong leader that God has called them to. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessing of strong, godly leaders that have the skills to lead, to manage your people for your kingdom purposes. Lord, would you just work in our hearts that this would not be about us, but that it would all be about you. And Lord, that we would lead for you, that we would glorify your name, and that we would live for you in the midst of your family of faith. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. 